I have been searching What most people say just can't be found But you always find me out Welcome to Following the Fire. Thanks for joining us on this journey through the wilderness. Just like Israel followed the pillar of fire and smoke, we want to take a new look at our beliefs and just follow him. And like Israel, we get it wrong a lot, we get lost a lot, but we're we're doing our best to, to go where God leads us. I'm Nathan. And I'm Steve. Can't compare with what you're Today, Nathan's return to a short story about Jesus healing the ten lepers leads us into the Ten Commandments, idolatry, and can we safely say OMG? Then we get on to masks, vaccines, and the mark of the beast. We also talk about being the image of God in this messed up spiritual desert, and then we wish for brave leadership through it. All these messages I thought you wanted to hear but it only takes a whisper. It's funny. I, I had this weird phenomenon at the beginning of COVID where um, I had never had internet at my house before. And I got it so that I could work at home. Yep. And then all of a sudden my phone, which didn't have a data plan, suddenly had like internet and interesting things on it all day long. <laughs> and so... Uh, Come over like, to the dark side. I'm 10 years late, but I was like, man, this Facebook thing really is consuming. And then <laughs> um, start started seeing like interesting videos and following people. And somehow I followed this guy who does who he he does puzzles, interesting puzzles like um, I don't know brain twister puzzles, um, like you might see it. I don't know. Uh, Barnes and Noble has a bunch, but oh yeah, like get little, the ring off the get horses. the ring off the little metal thing. Yeah, he does those up to like very complex boxes with moving pieces and stuff. Um, and he's also a magician. And somehow in all of that, the internet tricked me into wanting to learn magic tricks. <laughs> and so, the internet tricked you. <laughs> yeah, th- this was very early COVID times. Um, I learned a couple of magic tricks. And so fast forward, I was blown away today because Facebook uh, put two and two together and recommended a Kickstarter, which are these beautiful playing cards that are, it's called the Alpha and Omega playing card set. I think I got that ad too. (laughs) You got it too? Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, and it's like, uh, there's three sets. There's early church. Uh, which, by the way, is a bunch of saints I've never heard of, so be warned if you're um, restoration people. Early church, Protestant Reformation, and Great Awakening. And then it's got um, (laughs) the aces are like the people who started the movement. The jokers are the people who opposed the movement. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I kept getting the ad specifically for the Reformation stuff. I'm like... I must be posting too much about this kind of stuff on Facebook. Yeah, man. <laughs> and Twitter they, and yeah. yeah. What an interesting uh but the funny thing is there's a weird overlap between P 
people who might have gotten that ad and people who might be skeptical about playing cards. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm I have I have not really even known anyone in my life that actually cares about that, but I feel like I'm adjacent to people who care about that. Yeah, pl- playing cards. And so uh, to continue on my my hobby of reading one star reviews, I thought I would look at the comments and then the the FAQ for this thing. <laughs> and uh, it was it did not disappoint. There's only four. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's only four frequently asked questions for okay. the Alpha and Omega playing card set. Uh, there are three sets: the Early Church, Protestant, Reformation, and Great Awakening. So, first question. Aren't playing cards used for gambling and games of chance? <laughs> so Christians should never use them. That's the question. Oh. Um, this the second one is: Are these cards anti-Catholic? And then the <laughs> the third one is: Oh, because how, Reformation, right? Yeah, there's and the Jokers were people who opposed it, so there. I think there were some uh, popes in that one. And then how can you have religious icons on playing cards? Which is basically the first question again. <laughs> but um, it's just funny that they their FAQ section, that's like, that's all they got. The fourth question was, do you have wh- wholesale retail options? So, um, yeah, I, I just thought that was a humorous little insight into all the other people who got this ad and were like, wait, what are you doing with these playing cards? And religious people that's funny i i was it makes me think i was talking to somebody at church a while back and he grew up in california and apparently in california at the time um like everybody played cards and but if you smoked like just straight to hell (laughs) and then and then we we got talking about how there's this weird at least in churches of christ at the time it's like the further north you went, the worse cards were and the, the better smoking was. <laughs> and the further south is the opposite. Or I may I may have that flipped around, but it's it's this weird like it's pick your thing geogra- that is it is sinful <laughs> and the other stuff no problem. That's really I, good. Because I like some place some churches I remember I visited when I was a kid, like after church, like everybody goes outside and and lights up. And then some places that you know, opposite completely opposite. It's interesting the, the things that we choose to focus on. Yeah, yeah, and it, <laughs> I, I don't think I was ever told anything about smoking, but I definitely associated smoking with like that's just the worst thing you could do, and oh, that, yeah. and that's how you know. Well, as we've established, people. that equals you're an evil person. You're you're a Bad villain guy. of some Bad kind. Guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's it's funny that it's. I wondered about the playing cards, you know, was it ever, was it ever actually good advice from Christians? Like, yeah, we shouldn't get involved with this, this, this stuff. And, and then w- the culture changed and playing cards became associated with something less dangerous or were we just really wrong for, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, cards are no, or pool halls. Oh yeah, uh, no longer really associated with capital T that rhymes with P in the stands for pool. Exactly, yeah. that's the only reason I know that. <laughs> yeah. 
Tears fill my eyes, you hear my cry. Everything is dark, you are my light. I had the story on my mind from the Bible, and for some reason it, it came up, I thought of it, and I realized I hadn't revisited the story since my childhood. Um, and I kind of wanted to figure out, is there is there anything else to it? Um, and so first, can you think of any stories in the Bible where Jesus gives someone a command and then they don't do it? Hmm. Off the top of my yeah, I'll let you think about that. Uh, trying to think of the times he gives commands, it doesn't seem like he does that a ton. Um, there's no. Yeah, I think the. I mean, the, like the times when he told like told like go like put the mud on the guy's eyes and said go wash your eyes off in this pool or mm-hmm. yeah, I, I nothing comes to mind that he, when someone didn't. Yeah, I mean, and maybe this isn't a command, but I I thought of the rich young ruler. That's someone who. Oh, okay. Um, we don't really know, but that's someone who comes in contact, has the question, yeah, gets the answer, and I think it's inferred that he goes away sad because it's not the answer he wants. And he, he doesn't wanted. do the thing. And he doesn't do the thing, um, as opposed to maybe Zacchaeus or someone who um, comes in contact with Jesus and chooses to do the thing without even being being asked. Um. So I thought of this other story. Um, I wanted to see it. if off the top of your head, do you remember the story of the 10 lepers and what the moral of the story is? Always say thank you to Jesus. Always say thank you to Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. That's the moral. Yeah. And what, uh, give your executive summary of the story. Okay, so happens. 10 lepers come along. Uh, Jesus heals them all. And they all are so excited that they run away. And he, okay, he tells them not to tell anybody about him, at least in the Mark version, I believe. I forget exactly. And maybe I'm conflating two stories. But anyway, they they all go away. They're all excited. And one comes back and says, thank you for healing me. You know right. I mean? So the, yeah, so the, that's the way I remembered it also. And it's, that's true. That That is part of it. Um, but I went back and looked and, uh, I can't tell if it's because of things going on in my life or, or whatever, but I think the story is so short and so simple that I've never had any reason to look at it again. Huh? So, um, I'm going to read it real quick cause it, okay. uh, I, it's just in Luke 17 and I think there are several, there are several Jesus and leper stories. And so you. That's and they true. might they might be the same stories, but told it you know um, from different lenses, uh, kind of angles. But um, also, there's a corona angle to this one, so maybe. So it's in Luke 17. It's just f- like five verses long. Starts in 11. On his now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance. That's the Corona angle. There's, there's a, <laughs> I was like, oh, it's social distancing. Yeah. It's, it's so smart. So they stood at a distance and ca- called out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. 
When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Right. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, "We're I not all." He's a Samaritan. He's a see. He's a Samaritan, and that uh, I had not remembered that either. Because it, we don't call it this. We have the story of the Good Samaritan, and I guess this is the Thankful Samaritan, but we didn't call it that. So <laughs> we, I just remember there's ten lepers. Yeah, so uh, he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. And then a pretty clean break to the next to the next thing that happens. And so it's. I, I was reminded of a class you taught about um, reading the Bible um, with our understanding what our cultural lenses are that we bring um, yeah. specifically our Western lenses and the story you, you told about, um, how two audiences read the parable of the good Samaritan and then recall it. And the Western audience talks about how the son was wasteful and the Russian oh, the or prodigal son. You mean the prodigal? Did I say the good Samaritan? Yeah. Yeah. I meant the prodigal son. Sorry. So they read the story of the prodigal son. The Westerners, what they read or recall is that the son was wasteful with his possessions. But what the Easterners or maybe the Russians um, remembered was that there was a famine. Right. And and similar in this story, I just it's so short. I knew 10 lepers. The point is say thank you to Jesus. Uh, be grateful that I didn't even – I skipped over the fact that he was on the border between – Samaria and Galilee, um, and that the the one that came back was a Samaritan. And as I as I started trying to think of it past my Sunday school ideas, um, I I started to see a couple of other elements, um, and I, I feel like it relates to what I've been trying going through when it go when it comes to um, trying to follow the rules. What does that look like? Uh, versus yeah. having a relationship with Jesus, which is, feels a lot more foreign to me right now. And so, in the in the story from f- through that lens, there there are ten lepers, nine of whom do exactly what Jesus tells them to do. Hmm. They they're first of all they're potentially following the law because they're outside of the town. They they're yelling from a distance, which is what. They had to do from the Levitical law. Um, if if they're declared unclean, they have to warn people so that people don't get too close and get defiled. And they're doing that. And then Jesus says, go present yourself to the priests, which is what they're supposed to do. And and then they, I p- putting myself in that story, it's a story of like Jesus told them to do this. And yeah. then they did. Yeah. And so the the one that comes back, I feel like there's something to that 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 I missed every time that I've uh, thought about this story or read this story before. The first thing is the distance element of the story. So these the lepers, I, I kind of feel I uh, I mean, but 
I've been having to isolate myself from people because of COVID-19. And so the lepers, for who knows how long, had to do that as well. So at the beginning of the story, the lepers are at a distance. But the one who comes back throws himself at Jesus' feet and, you know, wraps his arms around Jesus, um, which is something he would not have been able to do before. The That closeness. Yeah. And then the other thing is uh, clean and unclean. So the the lepers were unclean. And the the problem with being unclean isn't that you're immoral. The problem with being ceremonially unclean is that you can't go to the temple. And you can't participate in worship. Right. And so that's another thing that jumped out to me that the nine people who get the miraculous intervention, they just wanted to stop being unclean, but that they stopped there instead of the next logical step, which is as soon as you are unclean, you can now approach God again. Hmm. You can, you can go to the temple. And in this case, the, the person who recognizes Oh, now that I'm clean, I can approach God and comes back and wraps his arms around Jesus is he's showing us what the whole, what is the whole point? It's not for Jesus to give us health and wealth, Mm -hmm. but it's when Jesus removes the obstacles that stop us from getting close to him to uh, approach him for that, for that relationship. And so the finally that I think the fact so it is about being grateful but I think the fact that the one who realized the the point of it all and that it that it's not just about exactly following following those rules to see the priest and then going back on with my life was the new the outsider yeah that has that desire to be with God but I I think I think when you compare that to maybe evangelical faith it's it's not surprising that an outsider is going to have less hang-ups to to get to the to the point that it, it's about a, a relationship with Jesus but it, it just hit me because I've I have all of these rules that I'm that I had set up in my mind that I'm trying to follow and it's it's enough to just keep those going, um, and I think there's something to it that, coming from that outside perspective, you can sometimes see the. You know what's important because there, there's a blindness when you're familiar with, with it all. Yeah, I, I I've thought a lot throughout my spiritual life. How. It in some ways it's a it's a detriment to have grown up in a church. I think to for exactly the reason you're saying that sometimes you you either have hangups that you you get stuck on, or you make assumptions that are not necessarily valid, or you know the list could go on. But um, I remember when I was in college. My one of my uncles had never been had any interest in church at all, and um, 
my aunt and had always gone to church faithfully and took her kids to church, etc. But, you know, they'd been married 30 some years or however long. And, and they, and he had, like, he stayed at home, never went to church, never had any interest in nice guy, but, you know, didn't care. And then when I was in college, uh, I don't know what clicked, but he, he like gave his life to Christ, baptized the whole nine yards. And the guy like turned on fire <laughs> and like, like there were no, he had no hangups. He had no assumptions and he, he approached his faith with the, I think this understanding of freedom that I, you know, you and I seem to be trying to figure out in this relationship with God. And it, that was so refreshing to see. It was exciting to see that. And I think that that is partially due to the fact that he had, he didn't have uh, everybody telling him what to believe before he believed, I guess. Right. Yeah. I, th- I think I've seen that in my life too. Just, I think, especially adults who, are uh, who find Jesus late in their life, or, or or they just don't grow up with it. Um, it's easier for them to see the big picture than it is for me to see the big picture because I know all the little details, right? And it's just so hard to put details in the right priority order, uh, and not and not put the small things as equally important as the big things. Mm-hmm. They just all, they're just all check boxes still for me. And I think, I feel like I've been transitioning from this idea of reading the Bible to see what is right and wrong on some issue. What's the list of things that are right or what's the th- list of things that are wrong? Which the playing cards, you know, uh, the questions, uh, you know, isn't it wrong to use playing cards or it, yeah. is it really okay to put, you know, religious images on a playing card? Those are echoes of us, of questions I see all the time, definitely on the internet, but even in discussions, you know, what, is this a sin? Is that a sin? Um, is it okay to do this? When is it okay to lie? Is it ever okay to lie? When is it okay to, and again, this, I've said this before, but this is what people are asking Jesus too. When is it okay to get divorced? Or, mm-hmm. you know, what, how many times do I need to um, forgive my brother? Or uh, what commandment is is the most important? Um, I think what is right, what is the list of right and wrong is something that is, the Bible's not trying to do that. But if I come at the Bible, I'm going to find those things and, and, and the controversies between Christians tend to be which things are we going to consider commands or which things are we not going to consider uh, commands. But the the fresh Christians or the Samaritans of the world, mm-hmm. they they can see through that to what's important um, until we bog them down with those things eventually. Yeah. It's a very, very similar thing happens at work as a user experience designer kind of one of the skills that you are encouraged to learn learn whenever you go whenever you go to one of these UX uh, workshops or conferences or whatever they talk a lot about brainstorming and like different kinds of like the KJ method and all these different kinds of methods for structured brainstorming and all that 
And one of the things that they often mention is is the value of having people involved in that brainstorming who have no connection whatsoever to the thing that you're talking about. Because if you get a bunch of engineers and designers in the room to talk about your your product, or like, let's make a new version of this thing. Well, you already know the, the hangups and the problems and, and where you think it should go. Yeah. But, and, and I love doing, uh, brainstorm, leading brainstorming sessions where like, Hey, bring your wife in <laughs> or, uh, we, we did one at the previous place I worked, we brought some kids in to ask, like, if you were going to make a security camera that did these things, what would it be like? And they, they came up with like crazy ideas and, and some of them are like, Whoa, that makes me think of this thing. Or sure. They ask questions like, why don't we do this? Why don't you guys just make this thing this way? And like, you, you catch yourself, start, you start to say, well, because we, that's not going to work because blah, blah, blah. But if you stop and think like, wait, would it work maybe? And I think the same thing applies to church and our faith that when we have someone who has been on the outside to ask those questions or at least feel free to ask those questions, then it kind of opens up some opportunities like that, that you may not have seen before. That's that's so interesting because what's happening is the people who know it well are boxing themselves in on accident. And they're, they've developed a map for what the world should look like. And then they stay within those bounds, whether those are real or imaginary uh, boundaries or limits. And it's the, it's the outsiders that come in who don't know those limits exist, who can, who can see the, the big picture and aren't afraid of the hangups or what's hard or what's simple. And when you mentioned that you brought kids in, that reminded me of the verse that I still don't really know what it means, but where Jesus says the kingdom of heaven belongs to people like children such as these. Um, and I, I wonder if there's, you know, maybe part of it is that, um, it, it, that's a deep analogy because children have all kinds of things, but they're optimistic and they, they see the, the endless potential and wonder and beauty and things. Yeah. They haven't, they haven't got dragged down. There's not a whole lot of legalistic children. <laughs> I might've been one. But... <laughs> yeah. I mean, there, there are a few. Um, yeah. But, but kids are, I mean, they, they ask questions that like, that I would feel dumb for asking. Yeah, and and yeah. honestly, if I asked them, adults might go, "That's kind of a dumb question." But a kid asks the question, like, "Oh, well, I'll, let me let me tell you." Or it, it's, I, I that's a good. I hadn't really thought about that verse in a long time, talking about the kingdom of God and how. Thinking about the. A conversation a couple weeks ago about the uh, about freedom and the easy the, the yoke is easy and light or whatever. Yeah, and how if the kingdom is. If the kingdom is kind of not owned, but if 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 it's like these these children, you you have to be like a child child to get into it. How how a how a kid how does a kid approach God? Hmm. I don't know if that's where you're going with this, but well, no, I I like this because the 
I, I think there's not yet a, a self image to preserve. Mm, yeah. So that's one reason why you can ask a, a silly question because you aren't, you're not going to get embarrassed yet because you're not preserving your sense of self and your identity and protecting that and trying to look like something or, yeah. or come across as smart. It's a vulnerable thing. It's a humble thing. You never leave my side until the end. Who am I without you? Speaking of of this kind of thing, so my son's mom um, says, oh my God, all the time. (laughs) And I could barely, I don't know if you have a a bleep tool or anything, but uh, (laughs) I I never said any of the variants of OMG. Oh, you don't even write OMG, you're like OMW. Oh my word. Yeah. Oh my word. <laughs> I just say, oh my. Uh, oh my. Right, right. Or wow. But no gosh. No. Goodness gracious me. No, yeah. Um, I steered all the way clear. And uh, w- what's funny though is if you're in the right context, uh, that yeah. will that will be the biggest deal. So y- either if Malachi says it because his mom says it all the time. Or just, or if there's someone else, you know, it's what he is doing is completely innocent, and you know, at this point is is just a, a phrase, kind of like a, well, that's a tangent, but um, so the reason people get squirmy when my son says, "Oh my God," is because that's taking the names, the Lord's name in vain, isn't it? Mm-hmm. One of the Big Ten. One of the Big Ten, and it's. Like this is pervasive in, I, I think, lots and lots of denominations and parts of um, Christianity. Oh yeah, uh, English-speaking Christianity that you do not say, "Oh my God." Yeah. And that got me thinking about the other of the Ten Commandments, and I wrote out a list. It turns out it's kind of hard. People don't agree on what. There's there's more than ten commandments, kind of. Yeah, that's fine. But in there's there's these big four that, for to me, are these really big question ones that I want answers about. And then there's the ones that are easy. So I'll st- first for I'm the Lord thy God. You shall have no other gods before me. Then uh, don't make any graven images. Then don't take the name of the Lord's name in vain. And I wrote gosh in parentheses. <laughs> um, then the Sabbath. So those are the big four for me. Because after that, it's honor your father and mother. Um, don't murder people. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't uh, um, what provide false witness. Don't covet your neighbor's house or wife or anything. And then... Uh, I, th- I guess that's it. Then set up some stones if you're happen to be Israel at that moment. So, yeah, the gosh one is don't take the name of the Lord in vain. And we we read the story of the lepers and we get out of it. Be thankful, even though it maybe also means 
what kind of person is open to Jesus and and what's the point of having sin removed? Is it is it so that you can feel good after the sin removal surgery or is it so that you can approach God? You know, what, like what's the big what's the big point uh, above it all? So reading don't take the name of the Lord in vain, we turned that into a rule. Mm-hmm. It became kind of a culture where it just worked into if you you know, if you grow up with religious parents, then chances are you're not going to say that. And if you grew up with like, you know, they must not be very good Christians or 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 not in a religious home at all, then then you say this thing. But I think if you if you asked a pastor or a preacher, what does this mean? They wouldn't say it means don't say, oh, my God. Right. Because it's it's about if in the Nathan version of the Bible, it would be instead of don't take the name of the Lord in vain, I would translate it. Do not put on the name of God to no purpose. Yeah. Or falsely or, you know, however you want to. Or, 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 yeah, or maliciously or, you know, with, with malintent or. Don't be a hypocrite. Yeah. So if you're going to call yourself a Christian, then don't take it lightly. But, but so what's, what is taking the Lord's name in vain more? My son saying, oh my God, or a politician saying, God bless America. Oh, it's a landmine. It's a landmine, but it's it's someone who's there's a reason they're saying that. It's to wink to the Christians to say I'm one of you and uh, you should support me. Yeah, this is a, another one of those uh, paradigm shifting moments I had, due thanks to living in another country and speaking another language. I, I you know I I grew up probably like you did. Like you don't say oh my god, you don't even say oh my gosh, because that's just a filler for saying. The real thing. <laughs> we knew you were thinking about everybody, God. Everybody that, knows what you're thinking because when you say it, <laughs> it makes people think the bad word, and you know, and then God becomes a bad word. I remember even there was a, a I think there's a Devo song, and um, it says, "Oh my God, I trust in Thee." And I remember like right. not wanting to say that <laughs> at camp, like so I like kind of just mouthed the words. I didn't really sing that part. Right. So I was so convinced. That that's what it was about, and yeah, I was I was definitely taught that. Um, but I I must have been I think it was in Germany, like I said, when I I realized what that meant because I was you, know, you, you look at the the Ten Commandments, and like the first half is about your relationship with God, and the second half is relationship with people, basically you know, sum it up, and. I couldn't understand why in the world God would spend one of the big 10 on saying, don't say, Oh my God. <laughs> and, uh, that along with the fact that it, it kind of re-triggered some of my brain as far as like cussing. Cause it, it, in my, in my mind, that was like, that was the grandmother of all bad words. Like, like the kid says in, in Christmas story, the, when he, he fudge, yeah, fudge. But he's like, I didn't say the, I said the granddaddy of all the words, you know, but yeah, right, right. right. But yeah. for, for me, it was, you don't say OMG. And I was, I'll never forget the first time I heard one of the German guys at our church cussing from the pulpit. 
in German, but right. He's like talking about how we. I forget, I forget the topic exactly, but it's generally, you know, we do this thing, but we 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 say we're we're gonna do one thing, we do this other thing, we and he's like, and that's just a bunch of crap. But he didn't say crap. He said, "I'm not even the mother of all." Right. I'm not even gonna say the 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 s word in English or German because you know, I know I know we've got listeners in Germany, but I'm it's, I'm like what, and it's just made me start rethinking this, and I realized okay, this is not about the words I say, like saying that word those that, those three words together. Because in a lot of ways, those are just things that come out of your mouth. Those are sounds. But it, it's so much more about your heart and your relationship with God. Because if you are claiming, to, if you put on, I loved your, I love the Nathan Revised Standard Version. Uh, the putting on, putting on the name of God falsely or with with malintent or whatever, that that sounds like a commandment to me. Like, <laughs> like that sounds like a big yeah. time. And it, it makes sense because it's in this context where God is saying, I'm choosing you and you, so you are my representatives. Yeah. Be a good representative. And and Christians have, if we check the box anywhere and say, yes, I'm a Christian, or we have a fish on our bumper sticker, or, or we want to be a moral authority on some topic, we're... That's us saying, okay, I'm putting on the name of God. And so that's a moment for us to, that's what, where the danger is to do it in vain. Yeah, I knew a guy in college who, would, who wouldn't even put a, he didn't put any religious bumper stickers on his car at all. Jesus fish, nothing. Because he knew sometimes he was a bad driver. <laughs> and he, he was afraid of like cutting somebody off or yelling at somebody doing something and then they drive you drive away and they see like Jesus saves Jesus <laughs> loves you yeah it's and you know it's uh on the one hand we could say he he should be a better driver but i think that's the right decision uh, because yeah. it's at least a momentary consideration of what what am i projecting now that you know it's not like you take off your jesus name real quick so that you can when you do this shady thing and then you put it back on That'd be ridiculous that, you know, but right. I think, but at least your friend was thinking about like, ah, oh, people are going to see this and, you know, my, my driving is not Christ-like yet. So, um, so I'm, I'm not going to put that on there. I just, I just wish we would take it as seriously as we take saying OMG. Yeah. And we didn't let politicians get away with using, uh, God language for ungodly things or, you know, the tie, tie the name of Jesus or, or, or tie our faith around things that, that should not, um, should not be propped up by, by the name of Jesus. And then, so the hard one that I, I'm just going to skip over for now is Sabbath because I've got a lot to say about the Sabbath at some point. So yeah, we, I, I think we might, well, maybe we won't skip it over, um, but we don't have to right now, but that's one of those that it's like, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. I forgot the Sabbath and I don't keep it anything. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, uh, it would be interesting to dive into. And so we should, we should do this. Why is it one of the 10? Uh, why is it in Genesis one through uh, the commandments through Jesus's ministry over and over again? 
seems to come up quite a bit. Yeah, well, we can get to it when I I'm, I want to do a, a like a series on creation, evolution, and Genesis one. I think I'll do like a few podcast series, and that's kind of at near the end because you know the Genesis one is near the end where he rests. Day seven. So we'll we'll get into that then. Excellent. Okay, great. Because that's that's one that it's I just don't know what to do with it. And then the top two, but their their commandments one and two have no other gods before me and do not make a graven image. Yeah. And I've I've been thinking about these two a lot because I don't know about you, but before twenty twenty I think the only time I, I heard idolatry mentioned at church would be in maybe a, a Devo where they're talking about not letting, I don't know, your high school sports be more important than going to church sure. or, um, or your job you know, or your job or money. Yeah. I think um, money is a big one. Money. Uh, I've definitely heard that. Don't don't worship money. But in 2020, the word idolatry started meaning more to me and coming up a little bit more. Really? Um, yeah. So I've, I've still always wondered about the no, so the no great graven image commandment in Islam. I know there's a similar commandment and the, the, the reason they have that has something to, to do with a similar idea of the image of God. And so that's why mosques are always adorned with words or just designs or just designs and maybe plants, but not usually not human beings. It's right. Never humans. Yeah. And in strict Islam, we, we've maybe heard news stories about people drawing Muhammad and how that's forbidden, but it's actually just forbidden to draw a human. Right. And there's probably something to that. No graven image in um, Judaism as well, that it, it was a similar thing, but we know some, some ways that that commandment was broken is when, um, the Israelites made a golden calf at the right after they got the commandments. But then again, when, when Israel split, there was like the good tribes and the, the not as good tribes. Mm -hmm. And because they were split, the temple was in one place. And so the, the Southern tribes, uh, or maybe Northern, the bad tribes, they, they didn't have a place to worship anymore. They weren't allowed in. And so they set up a golden calf again right? in in their version. But then they, tr they did like the rest of Judaism. It was Judaism, but instead of the Ark of the Covenant, they had a golden calf, which is also the answer to the Bible trivia question, what did ancient Jewish people think God looked like? I think the answer is a cow. But so that's kind of a weird, it's, it's so obscure and ancient and not at all tempting. Does that make sense? To make a cow? It's no, yeah, I have no <laughs> temptation to make a golden cow and bow down to it and worship it. Well, yeah, I see, yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. Um, Absolutely. That's just not in our, it's not in our culture at all. Right. So, so, um, there's this idea of idolatry that's been coming up. And then this other thing that I've been seeing, which is the mark of the beast. Mm. Oh, yeah. So, I, I've been working on this theory that we we got the importance of these two things swapped. And that the commandment to have no other gods before me and don't make a graven image, and uh, the rest of them don't take the name of the Lord in vain, the reason Israel struggled with them 
And the reason that they were listed like that is because they are true human things that we are going to struggle with mm-hmm. um, and that they're important to keep in mind. And so I wonder if, and and the the idols that I've seen start to creep up are our country, the United States of America, um, yeah, even just like a one political ideology as as so important that you would tie the name of Jesus to it mm-hmm. and and put on the name of of God to support uh, this other thing, which is what they did with the golden calf. They they said this is we're gonna take this thing and elevate it because of what our national we need some place to to rally around and i wonder if idolatry is actually more tempting to us today than than we have uh than we have realized i could see that because i mean it's pretty easy to not like accidentally make a golden calf <laughs> right that's pretty it's it's right out there it's visible I know I did the, the thing that I shouldn't have done. But when you come down to the heart issue of what creating an idol really is, then it's a lot more complex and insidious, I think, than we than we want to realize sometimes. Yeah. I I think so. Um and I I know that I have you know, I, I want to put myself often up as God or I want to control God or I want to I want to make God in my image instead of be a being in God's image and yeah. and submitting to that. And I, I wonder so why I I wonder why is it that we haven't looked at these the Ten Commandments that we all, we, at least there's cultural awareness that the Ten Commandments are some big important thing. Right. But instead what we like to do is focus our attention on revelation. <laughs> and I, I don't quite know why other than revelation is where you get to have fun with conspiracies and symbols and... Um, it's a puzzle. Yeah. And the... Not taking the name of the Lord, I think, is something that is is so straightforward and something that can be considered every day. Like, man, am I am I putting this on with malintent right now, or am I am I going to put this on and 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 honor this? Um, so, I I really do think that uh, things like you know the the fact that we got people carrying Jesus flags and then storming the U.S. Capitol. Um, mm. to fight for whatever fill-in-the-blank things are. I think whatever those fill-in-the-blank things are, are idols. Yeah. And we weren't looking for them. We weren't ready to see those and to weed those out and to and to 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 um, just clearly see them as what, what they are. And that's what happened to Israel, too. Israel, the whole story of Israel is them putting up Asherah poles over and over and over. <laughs> Um, yeah. Right. You know, as soon as things are good and it takes 
you know, a couple hundred years later, it, it takes someone to say, maybe we shouldn't have done that. Right. It, it was hard for them. And I think it's, it's hard for us to, and it, in the U S right now, it's tied into things like Christian nationalism or, or Donald Trump or freedom or freedom of religion, or even just, you know, low taxation or, or, or whatever that is. But I'm sure that there are Christians who have this temptation in other countries and it just looks different. It's things in their culture that the culture elevates mm-hmm. that Christians need to remember that, Hey, just cause the culture elevates this does not mean we are supposed to elevate this. Tears fill my eyes, you hear my cry. Well, and it's so true, it's so easy, I should say. It's so easy to tie things that we feel as important in our lives to God. Whether or not they, there is a tie there, um, you know, whether or not there's a tie, it's easy to do because God is important and my freedom is important, or my guns, or my whatever, my country. So, the, oh, I got these two things on the same level. They must be related. Correlation, correlation, correlation is not causation, right? Right. It's like the the God's not a Broncos fan. Then why are sunsets orange and blue? Right. <laughs> Something like yeah. So proof. It's yeah proof. <laughs> what? Why do we? So why do I want to make God in my image and make him? like the things I want instead of me listen to what he wants. I think that maybe, uh, I think that maybe the, why that the reason that, that is the first command is that's probably the one that we fall into the easiest of all the things. And it's kind of a, it's kind of the most important one. Cause right. if, if I, if I'm putting myself, in God's place, then then it all falls apart. The um, the Bible Project guys are had recently did a series on priests on their podcast, like the uh-huh. priesthood, and it was great. Like all their stuff is, but one of the, one of the things they were talking about is how, and they, I think they mentioned this in other other podcasts as well, how the 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 word for idol like in this verse is the exact same word that is used in Hebrew when God says let's make man in our in our image that image that's it's like let's make an idol of ourselves <laughs> basically interesting yeah so when the, in this verse God is saying don't make an image of me or or don't worship an image because like implied is you are the image Wow. And you are the image of God. And by making something else, not only are you diminishing God, but you're diminishing yourself and therefore diminishing your relationship with God. Not that you are a God, obviously, but you're you're distancing in multiple ways and you're removing that relationship uh, where it should, making it a weak thing when it should be a strong thing. Interesting. Yeah. So there's already an image of God. That's us. We don't need to make a cow. 
Right. But we also don't need to, we're not in charge of elevating what, what that's going to be. It's that, that was set out for us already. Right. Um, in Genesis one. Yeah. There's already, there's already an image. Yeah. I, I tend to want to make God in my image so much that I want God to think, I tend to think that things that I just have naturally must just be like morally good things. <laughs> like what? You know, like, um, I've, I've seen this before. I don't really believe this anymore, or I don't know if I ever believe this, but I've certainly heard people say they're born in America and that's, that's like a, they're blessed to be an American. It's a, it's a gift morally from God. better. It's a gift from God to be born American. Yeah. Or, or just, uh, you know, just any, anything, you know, I don't think of people who need glasses as morally inferior <laughs> because I need glasses, but I, I do, I tend to lift up people who emulate things that I am good at or that I have. Yeah. And, and when I encounter people who, have other strengths, but are weak in areas that I'm strong. I tend to look at the areas they're weak and see them as lacking humans. Yeah. And not look at the areas where they're strong. It's easy to do. And compare, you know, so, but I, so with all of that tying, tying Jesus to things, um, there's this article in, and I know it's just even sinful probably to have read this. It's in the New York Times. Oh, no. Um, and it's not because I'm a flaming liberal. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's a good news. I, I read them all, and it's a, it's a, on the level. Uh, it's a good news source, by the way. Um, yeah, don't tell anybody, but I have, a, I have a subscription to the New York Times. I, have a, I subscribe to the Washington Post. Yeah, same. Um, and... Then I, but I read the New York Times and then I'll I'll dabble in whatever else come comes along. Um, anyways, it's it's fine, guys. New York Times, um, and the, I'm looking up when the article came out. Three, uh, April fifth, which for me was two days ago. It's called "White Evangelical Resistance Is Obstacle in Vaccination Effort." Yes, I saw this one. And the subtitle, Millions of White Evangelical Adults in the U.S. Do Not Intend to Get Vaccinated Against COVID-19. Tenets of faith and mistrust of science play a role. So does politics. Um, it references a study by Pew Research. And so, pop quiz, uh, of the Protestant which includes uh, white evangelical, white not evangelical, and black Protestant, uh, Catholic or unaffiliated, which includes atheist or agnostic. Um, which group would you, would you guess is the most likely to get vaccinated? The most likely? Yeah. Probably non-religious people. Yeah, almost. So um, atheists are the most likely to get vaccinated. Okay. By kind of a lot. Um, the next likely are agnostics, then then Catholics. So actually, on on a whole, hmm. in if if the grouping is Protestant, Catholic, or unaffiliated, Catholics are the most likely to get vaccinated. Hmm. But the 
in the subgroups, atheists and, and then agnostics are the most likely to get vaccinated. White evangelicals are by far the least likely to get vaccinated. And it's kind of an outlier in the, in the data. Even less likely than uh, black folks? Yeah, so um, there's a reason why white evangelical is used and then black Protestant, but mostly it turns out that white people and black people tend to have very similar religious beliefs, but very, very different uh, political beliefs. So, So that's why instead of evangelical, it turns out most evangelicals are white. And if you're black, you're just... Uh, they just call it black Protestant. So anyways, black Protestants, I'll, I'll just read some of the numbers. So atheists, uh, uh, the percent of who will not get a vaccine. These are the anti-vaxxers. I, I will not get one. Atheists are 10%. Catholics, white or Hispanic are about 22%. Black Protestants, about 33% will not mm. get a vaccine. So one in three. So that's that's a high number. But for white evangelicals, it's 45%. Ugh. So, which is weird because um, that's a new that's a new number. That's not... Uh, 45% of white evangelicals were not against vaccines 10 years ago. Right. And so the New York Times di- dives in a little bit and, and here's the thing that... that here's a quote that I think really is is the key, but is also sad. So the New York Times said, white pastors have largely remained quiet. That's in part because the wariness among white conservative Christians is not just medical, but also political. If white pastors encourage vaccination directly, said Dr. Atten, there are people in the pews where you've just attacked their political party and maybe their whole worldview. So, mm. so there's this phenomenon where the if if you're a preacher or a, or a leader of a church, you're gonna even if you b- believe that that Christians should love their neighbors and and get the vaccine, and they are afraid to speak out because the people sitting in the pews are gonna take that as a political message. Ugh. But as a result, we've ended up with this just this black eye. Jesus in America has a huge black eye right now, and it's it's evangelical Christians who the ninety percent of atheists are looking at and and saying what is going on. Yeah, and it's and I've I have uh, you know I have atheists uh, that I work with who are telling me that what is going on isn't. Isn't Jesus about loving the poor and the downtrodden and loving your neighbor? What's like, I don't understand mm-hmm. the last four years of Christianity right now. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. And I'm right there with them, but the, this has gotten tied. And so I've seen this as jokes, but in seriousness, this weird political tie of, which I consider idolatry tying political beliefs to Jesus and wrapping up things like patriotism or I don't know, closing our borders or things that, that don't make sense from a kingdom perspective. They've gotten so tied up that now that is leading. The political belief is leading and it's, it's causing preachers to uh, remain quiet there. It's not like they're, they're, 
there are a bunch of people preaching, don't get the vaccine. There's a bunch of people sitting in pews reading articles that the vaccine is is going to cause horrible things or that it's a, uh, a way for the government to track you or that it's the mark of the beast. But it's but the the pastors who know that's ridiculous, they're afraid to say anything. That's that's concerning on a lot of levels. And it, it means that the sheep are leading the flock. Yeah. Instead of a leader, you know, being a good shepherd and leading its sheep to quiet pastures, the sheep are like, no, we'd, we'd prefer to jump off this cliff. And the pastor is like, well, I don't want to make you angry. So I'm not, I'm not going to say anything. Because if I say anything, you might leave. <laughs> right. Exactly. You, you'll leave and, to, and go somewhere else where, where the culture matches. Yeah, that, that's, that's exactly why. And it's going to be perceived as political. And the, and and now that is the the biggest. If you dive into white evangelicals, what you're going to see is the political beliefs line up with um, the conspiracies or the or the vaccine beliefs. But it's we're seeing a real impact. In it's why it's easier to get a vaccine in Weld County than in Larimer County because oh yeah, it's more red over there, and they're they're not they're not taking it. Yeah, talking to some family in Oklahoma and seeing, you know, the some Facebook posts from like I've got lots of friends in Oklahoma. They they opened up to everybody super way earlier than we did in Colorado. And I just saw today they are accepting anybody from any state around Oklahoma because they've got basically they have so many vaccines and the people in Oklahoma are not taking them. Because it's like one of the reddest states around, and the whole I, the whole I don't know if this is where you want to go with this, but just the whole concept of tying health issues to politics, to, to like this daisy chain, health politics to God, and it it doesn't make any sense to me. It and it's definitely it's in that order. So in order to have been susceptible to this, you, you can't start with God end up and end up with, I shouldn't take a vaccine. You have mm-hmm. to start with something else that, and then mm-hmm. there's a couple of steps in, in between it's, uh, it's, we're in a culture war that we're losing and the, and the enemy are liberals who are trying to destroy our faith. And now they created a fake virus so that we couldn't meet in churches. And now they're, they're requiring that we all submit to this science thing. You know, definitely, you know, it's several dominoes upstream of this could have been addressed by church leadership mm-hmm. before you get to vaccines are mark of the beast. Because vaccines are mark of the beast is not where you start out when you open up the Bible. Yeah, and I... I, I really don't understand that. I, I, I actually thought that that was kind of a joke when I, when people were mentioning that that it was the market. I thought, I thought no, there's no way. And then I think it was your brother posted something on Facebook and he was, you know, comments back and forth. This kid uh, who used to be a member of the, the youth group uh, when your brother was the youth minister commented on, on the put, and it was about vaccines. He commented, all he said was, Daniel, have you heard of the Mark of the Beast? I was like, 
what? What? <laughs> this is a thing, right? It, it's the the people who got to the you know I'm I'm not taking the vaccine. Some of it's there's this idol that I've definitely seen in my uh my friends who stayed maybe stayed with Trump. You know my conservative friends who. I have two groups of conservative friends and almost no liberal friends. You're the only one, Steve. But um, <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa! whoa. <laughs> Steve's a socialist. Pass it on. Um, <laughs> the you know a, a lot of my friends went. Man, this is nuts. You know uh, when Trump came along, but uh, my friends who stayed on board, um, I've noticed this thing that's also new, which is like. It's what's the word for this? If if you tell me to do something, I'm going to resist whatever that is and do the opposite. So this is it's called being stubborn. Yeah, this is this is <laughs> generally we would associate this with adolescence. Yeah, or immature people, and it's what well, you told me to. Oh, I'm not going to do it because you told me to do it. Well, okay, fine. Don't brush your teeth then. You know, whatever. You know, or don't put on deodorant. That's that's fine. You'll reap the consequences. But, but I I've seen that in like the joyful defiance of I don't know mask mandates or meeting in, in churches meeting in public. Um, there's kind of a oh you're going to tell us what to do. We're going to do the opposite and and get some joy from that. Yep. And that's I mean that's fine. But don't don't get tricked into some doing something dumb just because someone gives you good advice and says to do something. So I have seen a lot of like, I'm not going to take this just because I don't like being told what to do. Right. Oh yeah. That's a, I mean, that's, that's an American value right there. Right. <laughs> just, I mean, it, it's my freedom is so ingrained in me as being important that I'm looking for opportunities to, push against the system because honestly there's we live in such a free country in so many ways that it's hard to find something that you're not allowed to do and so it kind of triggers this latent desire maybe not so latent desire to be a revolutionary because we we idolize the other the people who fought for freedom and so oh here's my chance to to fight for freedom and uh, yeah i've been so practicing i'm just, I'm just gonna be yeah, I've, I, I've been I, reading <laughs> this civic uh, value that we have as Americans in history and also in church camp when we practiced. Uh, I went to church camp where we practiced like a fake situation where suddenly Christianity was illegal and underground church. Uh, thank you. Underground church. Yes. Um, you know, One game. we practiced uh, being tortured for our faith and and we're we're just ready for that to happen at any minute. Um, mm-hmm. and we're just kind of trigger happy with that, I guess. Okay. Yeah. It's like a Monty Python. I'm being repressed, <laughs> you know, help, help, I'm help. Being I'm being repressed. <laughs> well, no, no, you're not. You just, we, we want you to put a mask on so you don't get your, your germs on me. Like, no, you're taking, I'm being repressed. <laughs> some, some things, you know, the, the Bible doesn't say, first of all, the mark of the beast is not some is not the vaccine and it's not going to accidentally jump itself into your body. Yeah. And the, you know, the one thing I've, I, 
I've been working through is that the Bible just doesn't tell us what to do on the issues most of the time. It just doesn't say mm-hmm. this is the truth for all time. Yes, you should never play playing cards or you should never have a religious icon on a playing card. Or if you do, separate the Catholics from the Protestants or whatever it is. <laughs> but sometimes I think if you're if you're looking at the at Jesus, you can you can tell how do I love my neighbor? And as people who should have the best relationship with with power, with truth, and with the other, that's who we are as Christians. Our relationship with power is sacrificial. And our relationship with truth mm. is that it is important and it's, it's life-giving. Yeah. And our relationship with the other is to lift them up above ourselves and to have concern for them. I, I think then it can be clear when there are commands that, that are true commands. And so how can we get the 45% of people who are going to churches, white evangelical churches, how can we get them to be confronted with the truth? You know, a million dollar question and perhaps tens of thousands of lives question. They're there. (laughs) How do we convince people? You never leave my side until the end Who am I without you? What could I ever do if you had never loved me? It, it's, it's a phenomena that I'm sure it's happened for all time where people get their mind wrapped around one thing that they're they're convinced that it's this way or that way and there's nothing you can do. Um it, it's interesting to me that the you know when we when we when we see this kind of behavior um of turning politics or my freedom or political party into an, an idol like you said we see that and our, our knee-jerk reaction for most of us is to provide data. Information. Like, well, let me reason this out for you. And here's why that this is not really a problem, you know, stats, percentages, whatever. But the 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 reading I've done on it is like, that's the, the last thing you should do. That no one's going to listen to that. Yeah. <laughs> They're not going to listen because because the the connection they've made is in their heart and it, in a way, that worshipful part of your heart is connected to the idol. And if that, if that makes any sense, that, no, I I know what you mean because the I'm the same way. If I uh, I've said this before, if you give me a study that coffee's bad for me, I I will refute the study. I'm not reading that because I know from my gut that it's good for me, and. Yeah. And I also know that there's articles out there that say coffee is good for you. So I'm not coming to that objectively. I'm coming to that with part of my identity already staked in the outcome. Yep. And so, you know, I, I, I fall into that. You couldn't convince me, you know, to change a lot of my ideas by just giving me the information. Uh, I know, I know that about myself. It, it has more to do with uh relationship or heart or, priorities but i want to do that to other people i want to i assume that they must just be 
missing that that one piece of information but maybe it does tie to that that idea of the gut being deceptive and those things that are feel so true that you don't even have to fact check them because they feel true in your gut those happen because your image isn't in fully in god yet which is probably nobody's is but you're you've got you've tied part of your identity to something else which is kind of tied into that don't take the name of the lord in vain don't don't um don't have another god before me um so i mean okay problem established <laughs> you know what what do we do with that i mean because there's kind of i guess my question is coming from a couple of directions partly how do i change people's minds which may not be anything that we can do um there's so much psychology wrapped around that one but how do i live as a christian who sees articles like that and i'm immediately embarrassed like you said your, your atheist friends at, at work are like disparaging christians and people are laughing at them and and like so it, like see this this just proves that all their stuff is a sham and it's all fairy tales and whatever how do how do we react to that yeah i i'm sure you have a solid answer to, to solve everything <laughs> i think in if if we went to examples in the bible i'll start there it would be that we rip our clothing and pour ashes all over our head and we wail in the street and repent when when we realize how wrong we've gotten it but i in the so that was a very bible answer i'm going to i'm going to take another stab at that i the 45% of white evangelicals they're on their they're on domino 10 or more they're they're pretty deep <laughs> in in where they are yeah um so maybe it's the 90% of atheists that need to hear something from us and and what they need to hear maybe is we repent of this this is not this is not what we're called to and uh, you know it's this is not all of us yeah and it's that's a hard thing because it is you know i think we do have to take the people who are putting on Christ's name we we kind of have to we have to account for that um yeah. you can't just say there's that that's not us because it is us that's kind of that's why it hurts so bad is it is us and and what we share with those 45% of white evangelicals is so much in common and that's why it's so painful to feel that divide there yeah but i i do think there needs to be more public r- repentance so that the so that as the atheist reading the New York Times, that not all they see is maybe the loudest, most obnoxious Christian nationalist, conspiracy-believing Christian, but a movement of Jesus followers who are who look a little bit like Jesus. And yeah, I mentioned how I try to not argue on Facebook, but it doesn't always work. <laughs> yeah. Um, one of the things that I've been trying to do is 
kind of what you're describing. I've been trying to be one of these guys who, or one of these Christians, I should say. I've been trying to be a Christian who show is trying. I'm trying to show the the atheists of the world and and the, the mockers that this is not how all Christians are, or this is not how Christians should be. And that's that's not just you know wearing a mask or getting a vaccine. The past year or so, it's been like putting kids in cages on the border, um, and it's been justice for uh, black people and saying Black Lives Matter and it, all all this kind of stuff. And it's frustrating to me that. Doing that, try so. I've been doing that partially because I I know I've got several, quite a few Facebook friends on, who are atheists. Couple and one specifically I'm thinking of who is like super, just hates Christianity. And but I've been I've tried to show and and post positive things about like I I, I feel like Christ would post this. I always try to think of that. What. Would Jesus say this, <laughs> or am I being just am I just being mean and, and angry? And I, that that happens once in a while. I'm not always perfect. Shocker. Um, but I, we got a message. Uh, Christy and I got a message from this guy that I'm thinking of specifically, and he said he's like, you know, my whole I'm summing it up, but he's like, my whole family is we're all atheists, or at least agnostics, and I he said I use you and your wife as examples to my kids about how Christians should be and that they're not all like Trump. And it was, I was very humbled and, and glad because that's what I'm trying to do. And in my very small way with my friends on Facebook and a little bit through this podcast now, I guess, trying to show how to those 90% of the atheists how we should be. And it's so frustrating when I when we do that, and then Christians come back and say you're being too political. Or, I mean, the elders of the church I grew up at got me in a meeting, told me to quit posting things like that on Facebook because it's too political. And that just broke me, because here I am trying to show Christ to people, and it's working. And the people I'm making mad, I feel like, are the Pharisees. Right. And, you know, once again... Well, it's the... <laughs> we're not perfect, but, I mean, come on. Yeah, the... Yeah, I, I don't see that as an example of how you, you know, you're the one who has it all right, but just that you've... You can see the big picture, and s- some of these things really matter, and our, you know, our f- friends who aren't Christians... They, they can see the world more clearly than we can who have our identity tied up in some of this stuff. And I, I, I think the story that, that I just told, the leper story with, with 10 lepers was a political story. It doesn't sound political to us because it didn't say, and the, and the, guess what? It was a Democrat who came back, <laughs> but it, but it, I guarantee you it sounded political to to Jewish people at, at that time. 
Oh yeah. It was, and because the the very point was the reason the Samaritans keep coming up over and over and the Pharisees as examples is for Jesus to turn around their, the way they had constructed their, their whole world. And what's, what's sad about the story of the, you know, the elders talking to you, it's being like the child is not having the image to protect. And I think that Christians have done more disservice to themselves trying to project an image of something, whether it's ministers who are perfect or, or, or that we're better than people morally or, or whatever that is. If we, if we let the air out of that balloon and we weren't too concerned about that image, I, th- I think that that would go a long way. And then if we were more concerned about following Jesus and leading as leaders, sometimes that's going to mean having difficult conversations or even unpopular conversations. And it could even mean economical impact or even number of people in your congregation impact. But yeah, but number of people in your congregation or how much money you're collecting are not why we're here. And the, you know, looking again at these numbers, the, there's this huge disparity between Catholics and Protestants, especially white evangelical Protestants. But that discrepancy wasn't there politically in the election. Catholics hmm. are very a conservative group of people. But what do you know what the difference was? It was leadership. The Vatican came out and said, here's our statement on vaccines. We, we say it's not immoral to get one, even if there could have been um, research that was done with uh, fetal cells, because that's an extremely important issue to the church, the Catholic church. Um, but they said the, the Pope, came out and, and released a statement and said, this is okay. Um, it's it's not immoral to take this. And then he said, in fact, the lives that are going to be saved if we take this, that is the moral issue. And, and so if you look at the numbers, what if the only difference is leadership? My, uh, my dad has this great saying, which is very true, which is that if you're not saying no, you're not leading. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if, if people are always happy and you, you always say yes um, and you never have to stop something or change course, then you're following, you're not leading. But, mm. you know, we're... Letting the, the sheep lead the flock? We're, we're letting the sheep lead the flock, but maybe the sheep would stay if we led. Maybe that fear uh, is, is a lack of faith uh, between jumping to where we know we should be and the truths that we know are there as leaders. And I mean, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there are people who are leading and that's why we're here. Right. Um, but well, that one, that's one thing that's really frustrated me over the past year with the, with all the, the junk we're dealing with is how much, how many churches and, and pastors, ministers, elders, whatever leadership in these churches, how much they have avoided like the plague making a statement one way or the other about anything. It's like anytime masks come up from the pulpit, it's like, well, I know some of you guys don't like masks. Some of you guys like masks, but you know, and when, and, and the County or whatever mandates are used as the excuse for why we have to have masks. Right. But you gotta, you gotta be ambivalent to make, so nobody leaves. You can't make a statement about race out in public because maybe somebody might leave. 
and I'm getting, I'm so sick and tired of the focus on not wanting people to leave because we might make them mad. Like, you know, maybe those are the people that need to leave. <laughs> maybe we should just stand up for what's right for once. Yeah. Instead of trying to make everybody happy. And it it's not supposed to be about making people mad. That's, you know, the, the, um, yeah, that's not the goal. Yeah. It's not the goal. And also, I don't think it, it's a bad barometer. I know people who use the fact that people are angry at them as like, that's how they know they're correct. You know? Yes. Right. Um, that's dangerous. That's a, that's a bad, yeah. unstable barometer because it could also mean you're a jerk. You, it's the false positive test. <laughs> people are mad at you either because you're a martyr or just because you deserve, you know, for them to be mad at you. But the truth or even Jesus, Jesus priorities it is going to make people uncomfortable sometimes. Hopefully it should be making you uncomfortable sometimes. Yeah. And, but if you, you know, maybe Jesus provides healing, but also this discomfort, you know, depending on um, where you are when, when you approach him. I I think a, a sad thing in all that though, is not only was it sad that we were kind of following it, we had the, the mandates uh, to do this, or um, it's a thing we can't talk about. But man, envision a world where the church was leading. What if, what if we could rewind to 2020 and there's a pandemic, and all of a sudden, how many churches are there in America? Uh, I have no idea, but the answer is a lot. And there's a lot of Christians. What if it was the church's ministry to figure out how can we help, who can yeah. we serve, who. You know, who's going to be, how can we connect to people who are isolated, who uh, are older and not good with technology? You know, this, as a conservative, I'm someone who believes in personal responsibility, but my belief in personal responsibility was shaken recently because the people who believe in it should be the ones out in front leading. Like, I don't need the government to tell me to be smart. I'm going to be smart all by myself. But what ended up happening was not... Christian saying, let's do things that make sense now. Let's get ahead of this. Let's let's lead. It was, well, I guess if the government forces us to do this, we're going to do it, but we're going to not be happy about it. Or we're going to yeah. thumb our nose and, and say, well, we're meeting anyways, and we're a religious organization, so what are you going to do about it? Hmm. And that, that gives you a, you know, I, I know people who didn't go to church and then started going to church because it was their way to thumb their nose at it's their way to own the libs really and i i wish that you know we're it's we're not churches aren't in danger of being shut down by the government you know it's not underground church it was global serious virus that can impact your neighbor living in a, a tough time yeah i want to know what the what christians in other countries have been doing and if are there Christians in other countries who have this divide or, you know, is it, is it just us? I have, you know, several friends in Germany. And so I know that the churches in Germany that I am aware of anyway, are, you know, they're meeting over zoom, things like that. Yeah. But I, I've, I'm not aware of this bizarre divide between anti-maskers, anti-vaxxers, and the, the core, I'm not aware of the correlation of like German Christians to that. Right. Like we have American Christians tied to that. 
Yeah, I, it, I, it's bizarre. It's a we live in a as Jamar Tisby says. It's important to think about history and remember that um, this isn't how it had to be. Oh, that's good. Um, all of these things, and when you study history, sometimes you think it's just like this is what happened. But it's important to remember people did this to each other, or people made decisions that led to this. That they those people didn't have to make those decisions. They could have made a different decision. And we, I, I mean, we're at the result of, we ended up with a politicized mask thing that didn't have to yeah. happen that has now led to uh, an article in the New York Times about how evangelical Christians are the reason why it's hard to get people vaccinated right now. It's so depressing. <laughs> yeah, so... Thanks for depressing it's, me tonight, Nathan. Yeah, that was... <laughs> <laughs> I was doing really good not thinking about this stuff. <laughs> but as long as they're thankful... Um, <laughs> as long as they come back and say thank you to Jesus for letting them not get COVID. Yeah. Yeah, do you have an upper for us to end on? I, is there anything? Uh, let's see. Yeah, I, I'm I'm out. I don't know. I'm waiting for the, for the um, restoration movement card deck to come out. <laughs> um then I'll then I'll consider it maybe or like democrat republican I sure I bet that exists I bet there's I don't want that I don't need more of that in my life right now well, the um, question is did you who is the king in the reformation one is it is it Martin Luther it's, it's I feel, Martin Luther <laughs> uh he might be an ace oh yeah there's aces there's it goes higher I mean maybe Jesus should be the king Sh- shouldn't Jesus be the king but then who's the Jesus queen? is not I don't believe Jesus makes an appearance in the deck of cards. <laughs> oh. Does that tell us something or what? That tells us something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I oh, wonder man. how long that they're they're joking to themselves. I wonder how long they're gonna notice that Jesus isn't there. Well And that's made, kind it, of the <laughs> that may have to be another FAQ. Yeah. Where's Jesus in all of this? I don't mean about the cards, I mean in all of this. <laughs> All of it. We're trying to find him. We're trying. But you only wanted love. Hey, thanks for listening to Following the Fire. If you'd like to see show notes for this episode, which includes links to everything we mentioned as well as all the scriptures, head on over to followingthefire.com and just click on this episode. There's also contact information on the website. Let us know what you think about the show and if you have any suggestions for future topics. Also, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts if you could. It really helps other folks find the show. And as always, thanks to the fabulous Daniel Wheat for the theme song and the music for the episode. You can find more of his stuff on Apple Music and Spotify. See you later. my heart Can't compare with what you're worth